0: is our path forward. So right now I want you to give a nice passion church welcome to one of our own, one of our finest, Mr. Nicholas Mitchell. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, everybody. I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for blessing every single man and every single woman in this room right now. I thank you so much Father, that you love us this much, that you sent your son to this earth, and that he resurrected again to live forever, and that after that happened that you sent your spirit to this earth to live among us forever. We thank you so much for this, Lord. I pray that every single person in this room, we would all grow closer and closer to you every single day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm tired. Is anybody else tired? Anybody else work all week? Probably worked a little bit on Saturday, too. Probably going to leave here right now and go do some more work. Man, I get wore out sometimes, for real. Um, are you guys comfortable right now? Everybody, I know the temperature changed. We need to turn up the heat a little bit, turn up the air a little bit. Anybody need some water? I have the ushers bring you a bottle of water. The chair is comfortable enough? You need this water right here? Here you go. I'm going to get comfortable with you guys. Oh, man. Uh, Guys, I love... I'm just going to get comfortable real quick. I'm serious, y'all. I'm tired. Pastor told me to preach Friday, and then yesterday I got a sore throat. So if I wasn't here right now, I'd just be laying in bed. Guys, I love sitting on my couch. My couch is comfortable. You guys like sitting on your couch? I got two really nice couches because I'm single, and nobody can tell me that you're only supposed to have one couch in a living room. I just don't care. So... Man, my sister gave me one of these couches. It's got massaging, vibrators in it, cup holder, a cooler underneath of it. It's nice. Man, I, I like being comfortable on my couch and just, man, I could eat a whole, I'm not talking about a sleeve of Oreos, I eat the whole pack. Man, I get so comfortable, I could just lay on the couch and eat Oreos all day. But you know, something weird happens if I stay there too long. My neck starts to hurt if I sit on that couch for too long, and what I think was comfortable ain't so comfortable anymore. When I start eating all them Oreos, I promise you, my stomach is not comfortable after I eat that whole pack of Oreos. It gets a little rough. See, Josiah is my best friend, and uh, I've known him for, ever since I got saved, ever since I started living for Jesus nine years ago. And last week, he was, I did not like his message last week. I'm just going to be honest with you because, I mean, he's my best friend. I'm allowed to say that. He'll forgive me later. He was calling us not to be comfortable last week. He was calling us to get over our fears and get closer to God and allow God to to change our lives and allow God to speak to our fears. And that's an uncomfortable message, and I didn't like it. Seriously. Does anybody else not like being comfortable? One, One of the least comfortable things I ever quit doing was stop smoking cigarettes. That was hard. That was really, really hard for me to stop smoking cigarettes you know what was easy to do? Just smoke another one. It was really comfortable for me to just smoke another cigarette. And I felt like, oh, it was relieving my stress. It was helping me to relax. It was helping me chill out. That's what my brain was telling me. But really, the effects of the cigarette were doing the opposite on my body. It was making me more jittery. It was making me more stressed out. It was making me more tired. Man, when I quit smoking cigarettes, I felt like Superman. I could run a quarter mile around that running track. I had oxygen. I felt like I could fly up there with the airplanes. See, a lot of the stuff that we feel like is comfortable is really fighting against us. It's really making us uncomfortable. Man, there were some people in the Bible that were in some uncomfortable situations too. Think about Daniel, right? They told him not to pray. You're not allowed to pray to God anymore. This guy gets thrown in a lion's den where lions are supposed to kill him and eat him alive. That sounds pretty uncomfortable. But see, God's spirit was there with him, comforting him the entire time. See, in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said that when he ascended to heaven, that Father, Father God was going to send Holy Spirit who's going to be our comforter. You see that word right there on the screen where it says Advocate. If you look in the footnotes, that word can also be translated as comforter. So it says, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter who will never leave you. See, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. So when we step out of our comfort zone and we get into those uncomfortable situations like off the couch, eating healthy food, uh, stop smoking cigarettes, stuff like that that I've been through in my life, the Holy Spirit is there with us, comforting us. All along the way. And what we find out is the, the earthly comforts that, man, people will spend $1,000 just to go on a vacation and be comfortable, right? Just to buy a new, new nice recliner. To try to help themselves feel comfortable. But a lot of that stuff, it feels like it's comfortable, but it's really just wearing on us. Wearing us down slowly and slowly and slowly. But see, God is taking care of us even in the worst moments. He's there to comfort us. I do a whole lot of really uncomfortable things every single day. My uh, phone stopped charging right. The charger port on it broke. And so for like three years, it hasn't been charged right. I've been having to slam the charger in there 10 different times to try to get it charged up, so I could get all, all the things that I normally do on my, on my phone, all the information I do, all the calls and emails I make and everything. And uh, so I finally went to uh, the T-Mobile store and got a new phone. And I wasn't comfortable because the workers there didn't greet me, right? And I sit down with a table with them. They start laying out the plans. And then they start giving me stuff I didn't even ask for, charging stuff on the bill, giving me a phone case and stuff I didn't ask for, and all these different things, protection. And they never even asked me. They just charged the card. So I was uncomfortable. Well, I did something really uncomfortable, and I started telling this young lady about Jesus, Right? And then I left there to Walmart to go buy a, a charger, because they changed the charger on the iPhones now, it's a different type of charger, and buy a, a case for the phone. And uh, I did something else uncomfortable. I started praying for the lady at Walmart. She said, pray for her kids. One of her coworkers come up and said she had a, a sore back Saturday, uh, Friday night. And so I prayed for her coworker's back. And then uh, she said her back felt the same after I prayed for her and it didn't work. And she, she was ready, I'm being dead serious. When I told this lady that Jesus had to pray twice one time for a guy to receive his sight back, she was like, okay, yeah, you can pray for me a second time. Okay, if it's good enough for Jesus, if Jesus had to pray twice to heal somebody, okay. So we prayed for her back again. She said it felt better. Man, I told you I like Oreos. I like donuts too. I went to Mr. Donut. I got six tamales and three donuts yesterday. That's what I ate for lunch. It was really good. But I did something really uncomfortable. Well, you know I was comfortable after I ate those tamales. But I did something really uncomfortable, and I asked the lady behind the donut counter yesterday at 12 o'clock. I said, hey, do you need prayer for anything today? And I prayed for her. That was really uncomfortable. See, God is calling us out of our comfort zone. Your comfort zone is easy to stay in. It's easy to stay in your comfort zone, go to work, talk to your family, talk to your couple friends, but God is calling us out of our comfort zone. Uh, This past weekend, I actually wasn't here when Josiah preached last week. I had to watch the sermon on YouTube, and this past weekend when I was gone, I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, with this group of evangelists called Pulse, and I get there and they didn't really give me any instructions of, of what I was supposed to be doing to help a minister that weekend. And I find out they say, oh, you're washing people's feet tonight. I said, okay, cool. So we have a hundred young people, and I'm one of the people that's going to pray for them and wash their feet at the end of the first night's Friday night service. And so they show us how to do it. We got bowls and waters and towels and everything. Because, uh, you know, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And he said, the same way that I wash your feet, you should do to one another. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an illustration of how we're supposed to serve each other, right, how we're not supposed to consider ourselves as better than anybody else, but how we're just supposed to serve each other. So I'm telling you guys that me, I'm only 30 years old, but being down on my knees for an hour straight washing 10 different young people's feet, that was uncomfortable, I'm ministering with a 60-year-old lady is on sitting in the chair praying for him, and I'm on my knees, and we're both praying together. And at one point, I stand up and start stretching my knees out. She's like, you want me to get down on my knees? A 60-year-old lady's offering to get on her knees to wash people's feet. I say, no, no, I got it, I got it, I got it, I can do it. I can get through this discomfort, right? Um, but the Holy Spirit, like I said, is our comforter. So we did a whole lot of uncomfortable stuff that weekend. We went out to the Mall of America, and I was with some people who had never shared their faith before. I was with some young people that have never, ever told people about Jesus. And we're walking around the Mall of America, and the purpose for us being there is to tell other people about Jesus. And so I look at some of the young guys I'm with that have never shared their faith before. I said, hey, walk up to that guy and ask if you could pray for him. And they just did it. They just stepped out of their comfort zone and did it. Normally, man, if we go door-to-door and here with Passion Church and we have people knocking on doors and asking to pray for people, i got to convince people. i got to coach them up and tell them what to say. These guys are ready. They just went and did it. They were ready to jump out of their comfort zone. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. Sometimes I don't. Because after we went witnessing to people at Mall of America, we're praying for people and stuff, uh, we went back to the church service Saturday night and... We have these big glass windows along all the walls, and I saw somebody in downtown Minneapolis just staring in at us. It doesn't look like it's a church building. We're downtown, like, me and Josiah were there one year ago, and we were having the church service in there. Somebody got shot on the sidewalk right outside of us. Seriously, for the next four hours, we just have blue police lights and ambulance there, and somebody got shot on the sidewalk right where we were, downtown Minneapolis, And so I see this guy on the sidewalk staring in our windows, watching the service, trying to figure out, hey, what are these people doing inside this building? And so I felt like I heard God's Holy Spirit say, hey, go out on the sidewalk and talk to that person. I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't need to do that. I'm already where I'm supposed to be. I'm in this church service. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I felt like the Holy Spirit's telling me again, hey, go outside. Go talk to that person. I'm like, no, no, like it's 10 o'clock at night. It's dark in Minneapolis. I could get shot. It's like, no, go outside. And talk to that person. So I get up, I leave the church service, I go out the back door to get on the sidewalk, and I don't even get to talk to that guy. God just used him to get me up out of my seat. There's another guy standing by that door. As soon as I walk out, he says, hey, what are you guys doing in there? I end up talking to this guy for 30 minutes. He was already a Christian. He just wasn't really actively following God, and I got to pray for him, and when I prayed for him, he received God's Holy Spirit for the first time. Now, you might be asking yourself, What in the world does that mean? Well, when I prayed for this guy, uh, he said that he just felt like a weight lift off of his shoulders. He said that he felt like there was all this uneasiness in him. And then after I prayed for him, he just felt like he was at peace. And it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Well, that sounds pretty good to me because like I told you guys, I'm tired, so I could use... Some rest. You know, the scriptures say that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So the Holy Spirit is our comforter, and Jesus gives us rest. And He doesn't put hard, heavy burdens on us that we're expected to uphold. He gives us a light burden that's easy to walk around with. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it reads this Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, He breathed the breath of life. Into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So, a lot of people are familiar with Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. So, when God created the heavens, the earth, He created all the animals, the plants, the birds, the fish, and the human beings. And so, we see here when God is creating man, He's breathing His breath of life into man. See, everything on the planet earth only has life because God gave us life. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the bread of life. Death is eternal separation from God. Death is separation from God and life is to be with God. So nothing on the planet earth would have life if it wasn't given to them through God. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 25, he himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. See, God gives life to every single person. God gives breath to every single person. And then we start seeing that breath and life and wind is all related to the Holy Spirit. When we look at John chapter 20, verse 22, then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so nothing on the planet Earth has life apart from God. Now, let me ask you guys this. If you love Jesus, if you're a disciple, that means you follow God if you're saved, if you're a brand new person, like, man, I I used to do some old stuff. I used to do some really, really bad stuff. I was a totally different person, right? I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new person. So you say, hey, I'm a new person. I live for Jesus. I love God. Stand up on your feet for me. I want to see who I'm talking to. Am I talking to a bunch of Christians in here, or or what do I have going on? And don't just, don't feel like you got to stand up. Tony, you were the last one. That means you're the least sanctified. That's okay. Oh, really? It's my dad. All right. I feel like, is that 100% pastor? Is that everybody? That's almost everybody? All but like one or two friends? All right. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Y'all can sit down. I just wanted to make sure that I knew who I was talking to tonight or to this morning. So almost every single person in this room said, hey, I am saved. Well, I got news for you guys. When you got saved, you received God's Holy Spirit, right? It says in Titus chapter three, verse four through six, but When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. That means that we're not good enough to be saved. We're not good enough to be God's children. We're not good enough to go to heaven. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us, Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that means when every person in this room got saved by Jesus Christ, that we also received the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 16, backs this up. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Right, Josiah? That's what Josiah talked about. He's talking about not being afraid anymore, not being a slave to fear. Last week. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So that means when you got saved, when you became a Christian, you got adopted into God's family. Okay? God adopted you as his son or as his daughter. And when that happened, you received God's spirit. So when you were adopted as God's son or as God's daughter, you received his spirit. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm That we are God's children. So that means, let's back up. God gave life to every person on earth. When He created man, He breathed His spirit into man. And all of us, when we got saved, when we gave our life to Jesus, we received God's spirit. But I wanna be honest with you guys, a lot of times it feels like I would be more comfortable if I went back to that old person. If I went back to what I used to do. See, there's comfort in familiarity. If we're already used to something, we're already familiar with something, there's comfort in going back to that. Why are we comfortable saying hi to our coworkers and our friends, but we're uncomfortable walking up to a stranger and talking to them? Because we're not familiar with that person. We don't know how they're going to respond to us. We don't know what is going to take place. But see, we're in a war zone. There's spiritual warfare happening here. There are people on this planet Earth that do not have a relationship with Jesus. And all of us in this room, we have been called to spread his truth and his love to all of the people on the planet. When you got saved, you received God's spirit. But you might say, Nick, I don't just walk up to people and and tell them about Jesus like you. I don't just walk up to people and pray for them like you. Well, don't let me fool you, because a lot of times I don't want to either. Tuesday night, I was eating chicken wings. And when I was eating chicken wings at the chicken wing store, I had a meeting right across the street. So I was eating right there in the store. I was about to go to a meeting across the street at my friend's church and This couple walked in and they asked me if the wings were good. I said, Oh, yeah, they're great. They're really good. I just started coming here. And then uh, when they were about to leave, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, Give them that Christian bracelet on your arm. Hand it to that young lady when she leaves. And so, I mean, I just shared some story with you guys, man. We were in Mall of America last weekend and we walked up to a group of six teenagers and I talked to them, and two of them gave their life to Jesus. Uh, Mall of America is where, I don't know if you remember about a year ago, somebody got arrested for witnessing in Mall of America. And then after he got arre- arrested for witnessing, he went back with a bright neon yellow shirt, didn't say a word, didn't witness to anybody, but on this bright yellow shirt, is said something about Jesus, like Jesus saves. And then he got kicked out again, right? So this is where we were actively witnessing. And when we were there, I got kicked out of the M&M store for telling people about Jesus, okay? And then when we were done, when we were leaving, I walked up to three security guards. Keep in mind, I have a bright purple hat on that says, can I pray for you? Right. And so I walk up to the three security guards and I say, Hey, you guys got to look out. There's some crazy people running around causing a ruckus, telling people about Jesus. And they're like, Oh really? And two of them walked off. Well, so then there's just one more security guard standing there. And I say, uh, so do you need prayer for anything? She's like, what? Like she, she didn't know what was happening. I, I said, do you need prayer for anything? She looks all confused. She's like, "No." I said, "I said, no, really, it's okay. Like nobody's watching you right now. Like you're not going to get in trouble." Do you want prayer for anything? She goes, "Oh no, I'm okay." I said, "Okay, thank you so much for protecting us. Thank you for your service. I really appreciate you." She said, "Oh, thank you for your support." And we left. So I, I'm out here doing this crazy stuff, telling people about Jesus all the time, right? But I was afraid to take one little Christian bracelet off my arm and hand it to a stranger when they're walking out of the store. So, that, so what, the reason I'm using this illustration, this story to tell you is that stuff comes against all of us, right? I can stand up in front of a room of people and tell them about Jesus. God tells me to get, hand one person a bracelet, and I chickened out, okay? But if you find that you're chickening out more often than you're chickening in, then maybe it's because you haven't received the tools necessary, the gift necessary, to go out and share your faith. Because in John chapter 14, starting in verse 12, it reads as follows. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. So that means if you believe in Jesus, you're going to do greater things than Jesus did. You can tell whole crowds about Jesus. You can pray for people and they'll be miraculously healed. You can tell a demon to leave and somebody will be set free and the demon will leave. You can walk on water. You can pray for a mountain to move and it will move. You can pray for somebody that just died to come back to life and they'll come back to life. You say, Nick, you're sounding a little crazy. Really? It sounds like I'm reading my Bible. All right. Because this stuff is in the Bible. And I know it sounds a little weird, but I'm a product of it. When I was a year and a half old, I had cancer. And my mom and my dad prayed in Jesus name for me to be healed. And I'm healed of the cancer. Okay, I was a drug dealer, drug addict. And my mom and dad prayed for me to be free in Jesus name. And now I'm free of drugs. So it might sound a little crazy what I'm telling you, but it's what's in the Bible. And the Bible is truth. The Bible comes directly from God, and it is his word. And he was active in the authorship of all 66 books. He was active in the translation of bringing bringing it to us in English. God has been active in the entire process and has given us the exact words that he wants us to read straight from him right now in 2023. In verse 13, it says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son Can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So that means all of us, we're able to live how Jesus lived. We're able to do the things that Jesus did. Verse 15 says, If you love me, obey my commandments. But see, a whole lot of people say they love Jesus, but they're not obeying his commandments. They're still that old man that I used to be, right? They're still sleeping around, watching porn, getting high, selling drugs, doing all that sort of stuff that I used to do. But they say they love Jesus. Well, don't worry. Jesus loves you. He loves you right there in that moment when you're actively sinning. Because it says in Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Sinners. So that means when you're in the middle of your sin, Jesus still loves you. But that's not an excuse to carry on sinning. Because of the free love that he's giving you, that should be your encouragement to say, wow, he has something better for me. Because if you're still holding on to those old ways, that old stuff that you used to do, and you got all this trash in your hands, you got all these dirty deeds in your hands, and God's trying to hand you a beautiful and wonderful gift, you don't have an open hand to receive it. See, if you got all this mess, you're holding on to all this junk and God's trying to hand you this free, wonderful, beautiful gift that I'm about to offer to everybody that God's about to offer in this place speaking through me. But you're not willing to let go of that other stuff. You're not going to be able to receive this free gift that God is about to offer in this building this morning. Verse 16, it says. So I just encourage everybody right now, whatever it is, whatever you feel like you're holding on to. Just hand it over to Jesus. Just think of it in your mind. Think of it. Hey, it's in my hands. I'm holding on to this, to this depression, to this anxiety, to this lust, to this greed, to this uh, self-fulfillment, to this self-motivation. Whatever it might be, I'm holding on to the, just uh, my laziness or my need for comfort. And just picture yourself handing it to God. Just picture yourself giving it away to him right now. In Verse 16, it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you verse 17 he is the holy spirit who leads into all truth the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you now hold on because the last seven chapters of the book of john are all taking place in less than a 48-hour period, okay? It's all right before Jesus gets crucified and spends the days in the grave and resurrected, all right? So, like, they're not super spread out. So what this tells me is that these disciples that Jesus is talking to right now in John chapter 14, they've already been following him for years, okay? I don't know about you guys, but I considered myself saved long before I followed Jesus for three years, all right? So I'm pretty sure at least, like, 11 of these disciples were saved, at this point, right? But so why did Jesus, if we already established through Titus chapter three and Romans chapter eight, that when you got saved, you received God's Holy Spirit. Why in John chapter 14, verse 17, does it say, but you know the Holy Spirit because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Why was Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't in them. It's not because he hadn't been crucified yet and resurrected again and ripped the curtain in the temple for the Holy Spirit to be released to all men and not just being the Holy of Holies anymore, because there was tons of people in the Old Testament that received God's Holy Spirit. There were slaves in the Old Testament that had received God's Holy Spirit. There were women in the Old Testament that had received God's Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit It was available to all people, not just to kings and prophets and stuff, okay? So there's biblical evidence for that. If you don't believe that, you can come ask me later. I can show you how the Holy Spirit was in a whole lot of different people, even in the Old Testament, not just in the Judges. But so, like, why was the Holy Spirit with the disciples but not in them? Well, if you flip over to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, we see something similar like this again. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. What's a believer? What does that mean? What are some synonyms for believer? Christian? Christian, What else? Disciple. Disciple? Follower? So these people were saved, right? Paul found several believers. They were saved. They were Christians. They were disciples. They were followers. That's what you guys just told me. So these guys are saved. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you guys just told me that these people were saved, right? These people are believers, they're Christians, they're disciples. So why are they saying, no, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit, let alone they haven't even heard that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit? In verse 3, then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. How many people in here have experienced the baptism of John? Who's been water baptized? Anybody in here ever been water baptized? A lot of people? A lot of people have been water baptized And then the next verse, in verse 4, is Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So if you flip over to Matthew chapter 3, and it shows us what Paul just referenced to those 12 Christians that he's talking to. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says, this is John the Baptist speaking, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and With fire, So John the Baptist is saying he baptized people with water. And he's saying, Jesus, the son of God himself is coming and he's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then when you scroll down a little bit further to verse 16 in Matthew chapter three, it says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So you guys understand, Jesus didn't have to get water baptized, right? He chose to do that. Jesus did a whole lot of things just to set an example for us, okay? Jesus didn't have to read the scriptures and study the scriptures. He's the living word. He already knew them all. Jesus didn't have to stay up all night one night praying to the Father. I'm pretty sure they're pretty close, and they both already knew what was going on in each other's heads, right? Like, we only serve one God. We serve one perfect, sinless God, almighty, all-powerful, who exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, and Jesus even prayed one time to the Father. He said, I pray that all of us, everybody sitting here in Passion Church, all the other believers around the world, that they would have the same spirit living in them that the Son and the Father have. That they would have the same unity, that all of us would have the same unity that the Father and the Son have. Why? All of us have the same spirit living in us. We all have the same God. We all have the same Word of God. So we all have the same playbook. We all have the same rulebook and know what to do. We all serve God for the same common purpose. So, Jesus didn't need to get water baptized, right? Like, he's God, okay? But he did it so the scriptures could be fulfilled, so that the prophecies could be fulfilled. So, in verse 16 in Matthew chapter 3, after Jesus is water baptized, he comes up out of the water. The heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So, here we're seeing again that water baptism has already taken place, and Then we see the Holy Spirit resting, settling on Jesus. Okay, so there's two different things. Jesus got water baptized, and then the Holy Spirit settled on him. And what's interesting is it's not until chapter 4, the next chapter after this, when Jesus' public ministry begins. So before Jesus, before God himself, 100% God, 100% man, began his earthly ministry here, He got water baptized, and the Spirit settled on him. And then when we go back to Acts chapter 19, it says in verse 5, As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And most of us in here, we said we've already done that. We've already been water baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Then in verse 6, Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied there were about 12 men in all. So we're seeing multiple instances here where we know that all human beings on the planet earth that God breathed life into them. God gave life through his spirit to all human beings. And then almost every single person in this room We all ask Jesus to be in control of our lives. We have all said, God, you're the boss. I'm living for Jesus. I'm following you. Whatever you tell me to do, I want to do. Wherever you tell me to go, I want to go. Whatever you tell me to say, I want to say. Whatever you want me to be, I want to be. So we're living for Jesus. We're not living selfishly for our own selves anymore. We're following him. So we have God's spirit in us. But then we're seeing that, hey, some people that we're seeing in the Bible They were saved like in Acts chapter 19 or like the disciples in the gospel of John chapter 20. They were following Jesus, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. See, when I was a few years old, our parents had us in church eight days a week. And one and I don't know if you guys know, my mom's always late. She is always late. Me and Sarah used to lie and tell her that stuff started 30 minutes before it started. So if church was at 10.30, we said, Mom, church starts at 10 today, okay? If there was a baseball game at 7 o'clock, we said, Mom, the baseball game is at 6.30. We would lie to Mom, and we would show up like 28 minutes late, which is really two minutes right before it started, so we were covered, okay? So, so we found a way to get my mom there on time or close to it. And one day, as my mom, of course, because we're late, is trying to rush us out the door and get us to church on time, I'm having, I'm just this little kid. And I'm having, like, this spiritual moment with God where I'm like, God, I, like, I want to follow you. I want to be yours. I want to be your son. I want you to be in charge, right? Like, I'm, like as this little kid, a few years old, I'm giving my heart to Jesus, right? Like, I'm, I'm choosing to accept God as my Savior. I'm choosing to follow him. And My mom's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Come on. We got to go. We got to go. Right. So so we're because she's being a good mom. She's getting us to church. Right. So I had this moment where like, hey, I'm choosing to give myself to Jesus. But in that moment, I hadn't yet received his Holy Spirit. I fell away. I started doing a whole bunch of drugs. I started doing a whole bunch of really crazy stuff that I had no business doing that I should have never done. I didn't start that day as that little kid and just start walking around telling people about Jesus. I had not yet been equipped and prepared to go out and share my faith. And how do you get equipped? Well, you got to receive the free gift from God that he's offering you right now. If you turn to Acts chapter 1, basically what happens is in verse 4, Jesus was eating with his disciples, and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So Jesus has already given the disciples the great commission. He's already said, hey, go out into all the world, baptize people, tell them to follow you, make disciples, do all this stuff. Um, but he didn't send them out and tell them to start doing right then. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you get this gift. So he's got all these guys, man. They've been walking with the son of God himself for over three years. Like they are equipped and trained, they know how to minister the good news of Jesus. But Jesus said, no, don't go yet. Wait until you get the gift. In verse five, it says, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is post resurrection, right? It's almost the day of Pentecost. It was like 50 days almost after Jesus has been crucified and then raised from the dead. And he's telling his disciples, don't go out and tell everybody about me yet. Don't go out and make disciples. Don't go out and plant churches. Wait right here until you receive the Holy Spirit. So then in verse eight, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so that was why Jesus was telling the disciples to wait. He's like, yeah, it's, I'm glad that you have a relationship with me. I'm glad that I'm your God, that you follow me, and that you live for me. But right now, I want to give you this very, very special gift. Right now, I want to equip you with the ability to go out and tell others about Jesus. It says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, even to the ends of the earth. So if you say, hey, man, I know I'm saved. I know Jesus is living in my heart. I know I follow him. I love him. But I don't feel like if I prayed for somebody to be healed in Jesus name right now, I don't know if that would happen or if I prayed for a miracle to happen. I don't know if I would see it, or if I walked up to somebody to tell them about Jesus, I don't know if i would be able to do it, or honestly, I just don't want to walk up to them and tell them about Jesus. Well, God has this free gift that he's offering us today, which is his Holy Spirit. Nine years ago, I was nine months sober, stopped doing drugs, started going to college, got a job. I said, Mom, are you going to church today? And of course she was going to church. I said, I want to go with you. So I go to church and uh, this missionary is speaking and she's talking about the first time when she was a seven-year-old girl, when she received the Holy Spirit. And she describes it just like Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38, rivers of living water flowing from Jesus' heart. And that living water is the Holy Spirit. And then her husband gets on the microphone and he says, who wants to experience the best feeling you've ever felt in your entire life? Walk up to the front of the church. And so I walk up to the front of the church and he say, Hey, are you saved? I say, Yeah, I believe all that. I believe Jesus is God. I know that I'm wicked. I've messed up. I've done terrible things. I want God to forgive me of those things. I believe that Jesus rose again to live forever. Because I believe those things, I get to live with him now forever, and I want to put all of my trust into Jesus. I say, yeah, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. So then a couple men from the church stand up, and they gather around me, and they place their hands on my shoulders. They tell me to close my eyes and put my hands in the air. Don't worry about any of my problems. Don't worry about what I'm about to do today, tomorrow, what's going on. Right now, just focus on God. And they prayed for me, and I felt the best feeling I had ever experienced in my entire life. Imagine, what do you think a hug from God would feel like? If God came down to earth right now and wrapped you up in a warm embrace and gave you a bear hug, what would that feel like? You can have the living God of the universe personally wants to live inside of you. He wants to strengthen you and give you power. Holy Spirit is God, and God wants his Holy Spirit to be living inside of you every minute of every day because something crazy happened. When I felt God's presence that day for the first time nine years ago, it felt better than any drug I'd ever done, felt better than sex, felt better than anything in the world that you've ever experienced. And I went back to that church the next Sunday, and I felt it again. I felt God's Holy Spirit again. And then I went back the next Sunday and I felt God's Holy Spirit again. And then I was driving down the road in my car and I felt God's Holy Spirit driving down the road. And then I was sitting alone in my bedroom and I felt God's Holy Spirit in my bedroom. And now every single day when I wake up, I get to be led by God's Holy Spirit. Now, every single day, God's Holy Spirit is living inside of me. And I get to have a relationship with him. I get to follow him. I get to do what he wants me to do instead of what I want to do. So Jesus tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. So they're all waiting around. And remember, I told you how God's breathing his breath into Adam and how Jesus is breathing on the disciples. Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy spirit now keep in mind all the people that are present right now all the people that just got filled the holy spirit these are all the disciples these are like 120 some odd there's a bunch of people that have been following jesus and they are the ones sitting there getting filled with the holy spirit they hadn't yet received it so there's a lot of people on the planet earth that love jesus that have been following jesus they've even been living for god with their whole hearts they've repented they've given everything over to him they're awesome amazing beautiful wonderful people But they haven't yet received God's Holy Spirit. See, often I want to go be comfortable again. I want to go do what I want to do. But it's only through God's power that I'm able to do what He wants me to do. I'd love to be sitting on the couch eating Oreos, taking Dayquil, instead of standing here preaching to get rid of this sore throat that I have. But through God's power, Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. See, we got a whole lot of people this morning in Passion Church that have the desire to please God. And God knows your desire, and He honors that, and He loves that. He sees that you want to do these good things. You have that desire to please God. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will then have the power to do what pleases God. See, God isn't just giving you these desires for no reason, but the reason you haven't been able to fulfill these good desires in your heart of what you want to do with your life, what you want to do to make a positive impact on this world is because you haven't received that free gift of the Holy Spirit to go out and operate in that power. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So if you're sitting here this morning you say, hey, I have the desire, I want to please God, but I don't feel like I have the power to please God. Then we're about to pray for you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.